I was thinking more of like a Viking type where they're going to be very... We don't do Vikings. No, no, no. The Vikings will hear us when yeah. we talk about them. No, maybe this whole thing could be on the sea and they're Vikings instead. Oh. Uh, uh. Where does magic come where from? Does, does anyone well, know? When Mama Magic and Daddy Magic love each other yeah. very... Ah, yes. Uh, no. well, okay, so there are a few different ways of tackling something like this that I've seen, and I can run through these or we can come up with a new thing. Some people will say magic comes from the world, the motion of the world and as it works and its place in the universe, as a purely just on this physical plane type thing. Some will say that it is an interplay of forces coming from another plane of existence. Mm -hmm. You could say that it comes from the force of life and living beings. Um, Yoda would be happy. Yoda would be happy, wouldn't he? Some say that it's these tiny little things in your bloodstream. Oh, no, they don't. No, no one said that. <laughs> that didn't happen. They lie! <laughs> Welcome to Crucible of Realms. I'm Jim. I'm John. And I'm Kim. And today our guest is writer and game designer Jason Bullman. Hello, sir. Hi there, everybody. How's it going? It's good, going well, good. thanks. So for anyone who might not be familiar, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Jason Bullman. I'm the lead designer at Paizo Publishing. I've been with them for, oh, just over nine years now, and I am the lead designer behind the Pathfinder role-playing game, which is pretty much my day job, working to keep the game up and running, working on our new hardcover books. I spend the majority of my time doing that. Uh, in my free time, I also run a small side business called Minotaur Games that produces, mm -hmm. right now, just PDFs, compatible products with Pathfinder. And that's just something I do on the side for a bit of fun. So I'm a busy guy, and Pathfinder's pretty much my game. So let's get down to business here. Jason, did you have any ideas you wanted to float by us for us to see about developing? Well, I was toying around with an idea this morning about a fantasy world. Now, I think part of this comes because I was having my morning breakfast and V was on, um, <laughs> where it is a perfectly typical fantasy world, more medieval, very low magic, until outsiders show up. Some sort of force from outside shows up to the world, and they are of a significantly higher magic than the natives. Magic or technology, or are they the same? Well, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about it along those lines. I was pretty much just playing along a magic angle, but I suppose they could have technology, but that well, starts getting I, into some weirdness. If we go with that one, it would probably be best to stick with the magic on this one, because we actually did a world a while back with Matt Forbeck that where we had the technology coming very sharply in against the magic. Matt um, Forbeck! As, no, it's oh, fine. yes! Curse <laughs> <laughs> you, Forbeck! Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's what we did there. But we haven't done a thing where we have a magic being taken over by iron magic, so that could be interesting. What do you guys think? Sure. Let's Works uh, for me. I think we can work with that. Okay, cool. Well, I guess the first question is this, don't we need to define what low magic is versus high magic? Are we talking... Sure. Yeah, that would yes. be where to start, right? Is like, what's the difference yeah. between the two that makes one better than the other? So what do we want to think of as the low magic? Well, my initial thoughts on it were just that the world itself had next to no magic, right? And that okay. Was incredibly low magic. Like, there were a few people that maybe had rare gifts, and there were probably monsters that had some magic, but generally speaking, most people just considered it rumor and hearsay. In the original world, would it be like just humans, or are there some fantasy <clears throat> races? You said there might be monsters. Uh, might there be 
fantasy races, or what are we looking at? Well, I think there's two ways you can go with that, right? I think if you start including monsters, like, oh, there's dragons, then yeah. it makes sense for there to be, you know, elves and dwarves and whatnot, too, although it's not mandatory, I guess. The flip side is, is it medieval Earth level? Like, there are no monsters, there's just people, and that's all there is until <laughs> the others showed up. I was going to say, is the high magic the, suddenly there are elves and dwarves and orcs and... Yeah, we could go either way, really. Maybe let's split the difference here yeah. and say that we have, like, humans and maybe there are elves, but they are rare. Maybe there are dwarves, but they are rare. And then there are strange creatures out there, monsters. There might be the occasional rare undead. There's not a lot of it. The majority of what you see is human and everything else is kind of classified under folklore. Maybe kind of the way that they used to look at stories about the land of fairy and what mm-hmm. have you. Well, you know maybe, what I'm talking about? So what if these things are rare and they grow more and more rare over the years? And that's mm-hmm. because this cycle of these people coming to this world has happened before. Ooh. Okay. So uh, perhaps it comes in a cycle, right? This other world of higher magic can only breach through. It's kind of like high tide. And mm. this happens yeah. after a certain period of time and they all show up. And then eventually everything seals up again. And those left behind are left behind and things slowly fade away again. Ooh. Ooh. Sort of a Brigadoon mm. effect. Yeah. yeah. They leave their mark and it really impacts them at first. And then after so many generations, it fades and slowly yeah. becomes extinct. Or yeah, that's yeah. Cool. especially with, you know, the dwarves and the elves, they interbreed, they start mm. disappearing. They're yeah. not as fecund as humans anyway, so yeah. they eventually just get bred out, devolved to a point where they're just myth and legend, mm. and the monsters from the previous age, those are gone as well. Many of them have been killed, many of them end up getting cut off from the same magic that is now waning, so what they were mm-hmm. relying upon no longer works for them. And so when it comes yeah. back, it's a very slap-in-the-face type arrival. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, it's almost like a grand conjunction or something, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, these, these powers come flowing back into the world, and those that are left behind, who have been there the whole time, their powers suddenly reawaken. Yeah. They may not even know it anymore, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. you're the right. 14th generation elf. Mm-hmm. The elves on this world haven't had magic for 500 years. Everybody just assumes that is long in the past, yeah. and that's gone from the world, and all of a sudden, all of the elves now have magic. Right. Son, I've been meaning to tell you, you're an elf. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dragons were just worms and caves. You know, they were they were just yeah. big lizards. big lizards. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they weren't like even. That. Maybe their their intelligence was even tied to magic. So now right. they're just I was feral beasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they devolved into that, and then the portal opens, or the planes converge, or whatever mechanism we end up deciding on happens, and then it's like they suddenly have all of this flooding back to them. That could be very interesting. Maybe there's even like somewhere there's something that's left over, and I don't know what mm-hmm. this would be, but it's just like a point of interest for later. But maybe like some sort of thing that's been looked on as oracular. One of these beings. It's very, very weak and just occasionally mutters out something that people interpret as visions of the future. And then when it comes back, it suddenly is able to stand up and say, ah, hello, I can speak to you in straight sentences now. Yeah, you could have some things that are actually like true relics from the past age. So there's like two categories, basically. There's things that are products of the previous age. You know, like the elves, they're descendants of those, and they they don't have those memories or anything. But then you have dragons that may have been alive in the previous age. They're very old now, and they're just feral. Yeah. But the moment the the gates or portals or whatever open back up and magic flows back, all of a sudden they return to all of their previous knowledge and power and experience. You could apply that to magic items. You could apply that to oracles. You could apply it to almost anything. Awesome. Oh yeah. Oh, I have a, I have an idea of of a dragon that is whatever magic items are left, and that's why they hoard things. 
Yeah. They're oh, trying to hang on to their intelligence. They're absorbing the magic yeah. to keep their intelligence. Yeah, they're trying to preserve their very being. Right, and so that's why they're actually hoarding things. That's why dragons go out and pillage through things to get yeah, that magic they, they don't really want the human gold. They want that ancient rusted cup that's hanging out with the rest of the human gold. Right. They may have magic items in their hoard, but they've degenerated as yeah, they've the, absorbed the, them. Yeah, over the years, the dragons have basically consumed the magic in them. And those that don't have big enough hordes kind of revert to feral, unknown right. creatures until the next wave. Right. And it, that might work for all of them. You could maybe see a, an amulet that's handed down in a family that keeps alive some of that magic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe the leftover relics, the only people who still have any sort of magic at all are the people with these weird leftover relics. Yes. I like it. Yes, because there are groups forming in my head. This mm-hmm. is a good sign. Would the people know that their necklace is an ancient relic? Well, I think most people would not. I think that maybe what we are seeing here is that maybe, say, like the last time that the the channels were open or what have you, it was, say, around, it would be analogous to something like the uh, Roman Empire era. Mm-hmm. And then people fall into a dark age, and a lot of the information is lost, possibly uh, in, in part because you know, the magic is gone, in part because there are dragons and other organizations and people who work for the dragons hastily trying to grab the things up and <laughs> bring them back for anyone that was stuck on this side. Yeah, for mm-hmm. those in the know, right, it becomes a race. The yeah. moment this yeah. happens, it's a flurry of activity. They go to war. They do whatever they can to get as much as they can. They hoard it. And this could apply <laughs> to organizations, too. There might be some cabal of sorcerers, right, that oh, you know, yeah. their thing is they've managed to preserve this knowledge. They're the only ones who know, you know, Everybody else has forgotten. The local hedge wizard with his amulet doesn't even know that it's the amulet giving him his power. He just knows he has to wear his lucky amulet. Um, yeah. Whereas this cabal of sorcerers that hides in secret, they don't even waste their power. They can't, you know, they wouldn't dare do so because they don't know how long it's going to be until the next wave. So when it does happen, they suddenly go mm. spring into action just as they have countless times before every wow. time this happens. That's great. Yeah. So I can see us having a cabal of sorcerer relic hunters. I can see maybe we've been talking about dragons a lot. Maybe there are some dragons that have cults dedicated to them that mm-hmm. uh, will go out and get this stuff for them. Yeah, some might be tied um, together. Yeah, Because they know that they're going to have to delegate if, <laughs> as time goes on. Yeah. Maybe there can even be another group of more ordinary folk just trying to figure out what the heck is going on. It's like they've seen part of it and they're trying to either get the rest or deal with the rest or fight the monsters or what have you. Yeah. I think it would be good for us to decide what point on the timeline now is for this world. I like the idea that we're either either shortly before a wave or as it's happening. Yeah. I, I think the most interesting thing, so if I were going to write a short story about this, the most interesting point is the point where it all changes, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's right. the point where everybody's locked in their cycle of darkness, no one knows anything, and then one thing happens, mm-hmm. and everything changes, like in the span of a very short period of time. All of a sudden, some people have magic powers, all these new monsters are awakening in the world. It may not even be a matter mm-hmm. of, like, gateways opening and monsters coming through, it may just be a matter of those that are here suddenly awaken and gain all these powers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that uh, it would be good at this point then for us to figure out what this thing is that happens to cause it to change, because then that way we can kind of figure out what the various attacks on it will be. Does anyone have any thoughts about that? The first thing that comes to my head is it's some sort of celestial conjunction or something, right? Okay. I'm not sure it has to be that. There's a possibility, too. It's just something that isn't really well understood. It's just like magic is like the ocean, and it has high tides and low tides, and there is a pattern to it, but no one can figure it out. No 
one lives long enough to understand it. Right. Yeah. Right. I so, like that, but I, I like the conjunction thing or, or something of that nature, too. Well, we could say that it's a thing that coincides with a, say, a planetary conjunction. There may still be uh, astronomers. I mean, as long as you can see the stars, yeah. you'll have astronomers. How, quote-unquote, <clears throat> right they are will vary. I but, think uh, it's a lot more interesting yeah. if there are some people who can tell when it's coming. Yeah. There are portents. And yeah, whatever that means is, and, and maybe some people even don't even understand what it means. They just know it's going to be something big because well, may, since yeah. the last one, all that's been handed down are a bunch of rumors and half-baked stories. And it's like, none of this makes sense, but it's about to happen again. Will it actually be something? Will it not be something? That's the big question. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see that maybe you have two major ways that people, those few who see it coming, will see it coming. One would be that those few folks who actually held on to enough relics or who held on to enough information and were able to plot things out and you know maybe this could be astronomers or however they interpret it that would be one possible way basically they're making guesses as best they can to estimate when it's going to happen and then you'd have on the other hand the second type of folk who could probably feel it coming by virtue of maybe uh, they were elven blooded or dwarven yeah, blooded. they're actually part of the heritage they, as opposed so to they, humans okay. who are just like what that's uh, yes my knees uh, acting up does that mean it's about to happen <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Either it's going to rain or a portal's about to open. I'm not sure what you got. Really bad acne. Yeah. Everyone, start casting spells. <laughs> Awesome. Oxymancy. That's yeah. right, yeah. Um, so that works. That works nicely. And then, of course, anyone who's like directly working for, say, one of, you know, one of these cabals or anyone who's working directly for one of the dragons or other beasties might have a hint. Yeah, and the, <laughs> but, yeah. the great thing is it doesn't have to just be dragons. It, it can be anything that lives an incredibly long period of time. So something like a lich in the world mm-hmm. would be a really interesting oh, concept. Yes. He's ah, yes, about that's magic, right. and he lives forever. Oh, that's right. Jason, I remember that's your number one rule when building a world is where do you where do you put the lich? That's important. Yeah. And does he degenerate down to that demi-lich thing? That yeah, well, maybe he does over the years. By the end of the cycle, he's just a pile of bones, oh. you know, that's <laughs> sentient and evil. But right. the moment that <laughs> gate opens back up, he just puts oh. himself back together. I yeah. love that idea. Actually, we need, I think we need to have that in here. <laughs> I, I, I approve of any product or service that includes a lich. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I think maybe now if we figure out the sort of framework of what kind of civilization this is happening to, like an entire world, or are we looking at like a kingdom or a series of kingdoms? Well, I always, whenever I'm doing design personally, I I always try and go with a bullseye approach, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, the center of the bullseye is the thing you detail. That's where the action is happening. So if it's a story, that's where the characters live. If it's an adventure, that's where everything starts. The Mm -hmm. next ring out is the stuff right around that. We need to know about that because (laughs) it's going to influence the stuff in the middle. What are the neighboring kingdoms? What are the neighboring forces? What's in the town next door, even if you're going really small? And then the outermost ring is kind of like, what's the world about? And I think just saying, well, magic comes and goes, it has a lot to do with that outer ring, kind of, that kind of sets the stage. We can totally do that. So let's figure out what kind of place is at the center of our bullseye, if we can. We don't have to detail this excruciatingly, but I'm just thinking, what kind of civilization is it? I'm assuming we're going sort of medieval here, Mm -hmm. in terms of technology level. Here's the thing. Does technology and human society, does it actually go up? Is there a real stutter step here where you have the wheel, you have more and more complex machines, but as soon as magic gets here, you've short-circuited a lot of that stuff. Now, I don't have to gather wood to create a fire. I just summon in a little fire elemental. So, you know, a lot of that technology just kind of falls off. 
and then it has to be relearned. Mm. It's got to be a slower up than what our past is. So maybe like, shall we say, very Dark Ages, the conception of Dark Ages where it's like, not necessarily that you've got people in mm. caves, but maybe people in very harsh kind of stone keep type things. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably the best way to go, and I think it yeah. leads you to have some of the most interesting options going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think technology advances, but it's going to advance slowly in a world that basically gets not necessarily devastated, but has significant upheaval and then a lack of that upheaval every 200 years. I mean, that's the other thing, too. We don't have to be playing with a millennial time scale here. I'm not saying it should be 50 years, because then there would still be a lot of people alive since the previous one. Three, 400 years is a much shorter scale, and all the humans will have died off by that point in time. And Right, three or four generations at least. And Yeah, yeah, enough so that it's like they've moved on. And back in those days when life expectancy was 30, yeah. you know, 100 years is, <laughs> that's like five or six generations. Yeah, and you, can, and you have it that basically uh, once the magic goes away at the end of a cycle, you know, people can't feed themselves anymore. Yeah, and a lot of people are going to die off. Yeah, there's probably a collapse. Until, right. Well, they remember how to make go crazy. fire and all that. You yeah. Know, diseases go fact. crazy. Stuff that, like I said, if you become dependent on the magic to do certain things, suddenly when it's gone, and if it does yeah. just shut off, essentially. <laughs> Your clerics stop working. Right. Or what have you. Well, um, especially considering yeah. the moment a lot of these kingdoms, whatever they are, figure out what's going on, they're immediately going to go to war with their neighbors to hoard as much power as they can. So, yeah, I'm good with going, say, like, you guys want to say, well, like, 400 years ago? Yeah. That was the last yeah, time Yeah, a decent was... amount of time. Enough time yeah. so that it's faded into legend. I think that's the yeah. key, is that most people are like, I don't really know what it is anymore. That's just <laughs> a myth. That never happened. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of thing do we have now that we want to focus on as our sort of main place of action here? Do we want to do a specific kingdom, that kind of thing? Yeah, it seems yeah. to make sense. Good yeah. place Kingdom or city-state. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to just start throwing out some thoughts. Sure. Do we want to do like a Conan-esque city-state? Do we want to do like a medieval kingdom of sort of in an English or French vein? Do we want to do something like an Incan yeah. ziggurat surrounding type thing? <clears throat> do we want to do something Asian type flavored? Mm-hmm. Is anything grabbing anybody? <laughs> well, I like the Incan or I don't know, maybe Greece sort of. where you have several, you might have several city-states inside the kingdom. Well, it may not even be a kingdom at all, right? If it's yeah. fallen to such levels of barbarism, it's pretty much everybody for himself, right? Correct. So you've got city-states yeah. and they're basically it. Now, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they might call themselves kingdoms, but really they're just they're yeah. little more than one or two towns underneath one ruler. Should, I actually kind of well, yeah. like the concept of kind of the Conan barbarous city-states, though. Um, mm-hmm. okay. Especially considering when some of them will go extremely religious. They yeah, will have yeah. seen those previous times as this huge religious event. That's when the gods yeah. spoke to people, and it's like, well, nah, kind of, right? You know? Yeah. I like that. Okay. Whereas mm-hmm. other city-states are just like, yeah, you know what? I have the most swords, so I'm the leader now. Okay. So let's say we're focusing on, say, a single city-state as the big thing yeah. where things are taking place, and then right. you have things around it. We've been talking about magic, and we usually make a difference between arcane magic and divine magic. Do we want to do that? I tend to think we want to stick with probably just arcane, but that's me. We can do that. That makes but... sense to me. I mean, maybe there is no divine magic. There are no gods. That's 
that's not a thing in mm. this world. You know, strangely enough, that kind of makes it closer to kind of my perception of sort of Conan-esque stuff a little bit, because you have people who are devoutly religious and follow particular cults, mm-hmm. but it's really whatever you can convince them to believe. Yeah. Right. It's really these beings that, to some humans, can be considered almost alien that have these powers that they follow, yeah, exactly. some of them. And yeah. that's I how the liches... Maybe they're pulling that magic out of people to try to stay alive and during, ah. during the down. Well, it's also, yeah, I mean, they may be able to pull a deeper kind of magic, which is the magic of just, like, souls. Right, or, well, like, uh, ma- they're delicious. Oh, you've, got, you've got elf <laughs> Souls are delicious. You, you know, your, your family used to be an elf, and you know, so you've yeah. got that elf that what's left, you know, and they're, they're drawing it out to preserve their life, so to speak. So yeah. maybe some sort of vampire, soul vampires or something. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, let's address this. Are we talking now about the rulers of this particular city-state? Are they, like, vampire-like or lich-like, basically? Is that what we want to do with this? I wouldn't really want them to be in the limelight, right? Well, yeah, well, they, they, would be, they would certainly be hidden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at this point, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to go talk to you about the taxes, because you might eat my soul, so... Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 there is only one tax. The tax of your soul. Well, it depends. Are, are we at the... You're overdue. Come and tell Like, there might be a neighboring city-state that is all about, you know, maybe that is the city-state where there's giant pyramids, and the town around it has to offer up a sacrifice once every month. Well, in reality, what's in the pyramid is an undead monster that's feeding off these souls. Correct. Yeah, and they, yeah. they hide it behind some religious rite. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, I like this idea that maybe that that's the city-state that this main one might be sometimes at war with. Yeah. Uh, and act- evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's probably about to go to war with it if we're on the cusp of the thing happening. Well, uh, that's what I was going to ask. Is, has it just happened? Are we talking, We are we within a year of it having happened? And the, the faucets have turned back on or the, you know, whatever the well of power is yep. back? Well, if I was going to start the story, it would be like a week before it happens, before the faucet turns on, or yeah. maybe a month, right? You know? So, are you at, so they're at their lowest point before yeah, it. Correct. They are at the bottom. And that way the story can establish itself. If you're looking at hero's journey modeling, right. the event of the magic coming back is that that cuss, that threshold where everything changes and, you know, you go on your big journey and quest. And mm-hmm. Someone has just stepped into the shower and turned the faucet and the pipes in the basement have just begun to rattle. Yeah. But rem- re- remember, <laughs> the ones that are in the know, they know it's coming. Yeah. There's yeah, only a handful of those. Also, There's only a handful yeah. of those. But there are also signs that are starting to show up just a little bit. Yeah, well, it may, so, be, it may be that the most powerful things turn on first. Ah. But they're very weak at first. So, like, if you have the sword and it has been passed down through your family for generations and it used to belong to some <laughs> super powerful king or whatever or dragon or whatever and it, you know he got overthrown and this sword has been handed down through your family ever since kind of in secret until four or five generations ago when it was like why are we keeping this a secret it's just a sword <laughs> it's not even very nice it's kind of rusty and then a month before the wave happens all of a sudden it's not rusty anymore and you're like that's yeah. weird and yeah. it slowly starts turning on and the most powerful things start turning on first. Yeah. Well, then that would mean that if you're saying you're in the main city and you're looking over getting reports about what's happening in the next city, it's like, they're marshalling their troops. What's going on over there? They're starting, something's happening. Yeah. Because the lich is getting more powerful at this point because it's like one of the big things and you're you're looking over and you're like, we need to figure out why they're doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it may be the sort of thing too up. where, you know, even before that for years and years, they didn't want to sacrifice their own people to the pyramid eaters. There you go. You know. They go and oh, raid yeah. the next town. They raid, <laughs> they raid people That's from why these. they took prisoners. Yeah, that's... yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Okay. Cool, cool. I like this. So. And, and, and maybe hiding it under guise of being like slavers and whatnot, too, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So they just yeah. keep a mountain of chattel and they just feed that to the pyramid. Nice. <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. I think we're getting a decent view of what the neighboring city-state is like. So let's shift back to the bullseye city-state. Yeah. What do we want to make it like? For me, I'm seeing a big freaking wall, but that... <laughs> That's kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'm mostly seeing that because after the first hundred years or so, they're probably going to get tired of getting sold into slavery. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they might be necessarily militaristic in some regards. Yeah. I wouldn't want them to be evil, but cruel might be one of their characteristics. They're like, hey, listen, we have to do this. If we don't do this, you guys will all get taken and fed to the pyramids over the hill. Life in this land is very harsh, not only because society has pretty much collapsed since the last wave, but because the people who live there are living very hard lives and have to make very, very hard decisions. They're kind of like almost a Spartan existence, really. Yeah. Or, or the Mongols. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's this thing about the Mongols where these are guys that lived on the steppes, and so they dealt with sheep and and cattle and stuff, and they did all the butchering, and they lived their lives out there in the raw open, and it changed their psychology. And that's sort of the way this world is, yeah. the way I see it. Is their psychology is getting darker, I guess. If we're going kind of in the drifting in the Conan direction, I kind of like the idea of there being, as our central focus, this big city-state that some warlord has managed to wrest control of and keep control of, maybe within his family or her family, for a while now, maybe for a few generations because they've gotten very good at defending themselves and teaching their people how to defend themselves and the entire city-state is a big defense machine, okay. as it were. They spend most of their money and time just trying to keep everyone alive because things have gotten so harsh. They don't have time to do, you know, oh, let's spend money on arts and, and research and figuring out how a printing press might work. That's not in their agenda. Their I agenda know. is feeding people <laughs> because people flock to them because they're stable. The moment mm -hmm. you are yeah. stable and can protect people, you will get more and more people coming to you. Mm -hmm. So they probably have a big refugee problem with people coming yep. from kind of the wild yeah. lands because I kind of almost see this world that when the last wave hits, if you looked at the map, you could actually draw lines and that's where all the kingdoms would be. But mm -hmm. as yeah. that fades, the lines become dashed and then they just start shrinking in. And then mm -hmm. there's just wild lands out between them. So there's city yeah. states, but between them, it's pretty much a wild land. There's no right. guards, there's no police, there's nothing like that. It's just kind of like right. monsters live out there and people take people and there are bandits and cannibals and all sorts of crazy stuff because I can imagine cannibalism being a big problem in a world like this. <laughs> um, right. Especially considering True. from the last wave, some people would think, oh, well, these beings had magic, so if I eat them, I'll have magic. And that would just devolve into, like, eat people oh. for their power, you know? And you know what's scary? It, what would be interesting is if someone actually found a way to make that work. Yeah. Well, and that's <laughs> the thing, right? There's so many opportunities for, like, yeah, these people figured out a ritual that when they actually eat elves or dwarves or magic creatures, they actually do gain some power for right. a period of time. Mm. Or, their, or their offspring, you know. Yeah. many times removed. I mean, maybe there's like a ritual or some sort of just little thing you're supposed to do and that gives you their power. So so um, there are elf and dwarf concentration camps in some far off places. Although we don't have to detail that right, right. Uh, per se, but yeah, that's, that's out there definitely somewhere. Um, well, yeah, and they might so, even be trying forced long-term breeding projects to get the magic to concentrate. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
That is diabolical. That's deep that's and dark, cool. yes. Yeah, that's cool. But that's going to turn up in the next book. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> focusing on, so focusing on the initial book, this human city, I'm assuming it's primarily human. Mm-hmm. And any beings from other races that live there probably support the war machine. Yeah. So I can see probably dwarves doing pretty well with that. But I don't know if the other races would do so well. Well, what might be interesting is that dwarves, with their innate skill with metalwork and stonework and things like that, they might actually be relatively respected. But someone mm-hmm. like elves who magic is one of the big parts of their being, would be seen yeah. as almost like worthless. Well, yeah, if you have an elf with you, you're a target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All an elf is, is a battery. Yeah. <laughs> well, battery to people in the know, everybody else just yeah. kind of thinks of them as worthless, right? It's like, yeah. they live a long time, that's handy, and, and maybe they, they don't even live as long, right, because without like, magic, they don't live as long. Yeah, like, if normal time lifespan is 30, 40 years, they're 80. Yeah. Like that, or is and living so, a long time good? Since that means they're having to support that much more food, and this person yeah. gets 120 years worth of food as opposed to the next guy. In this world, it really sucks being an elf. <laughs> well, what what might be interesting is, especially if we have like elves being treated as second class citizens, when the wave happens, all of a sudden you have upheaval within your own society because the elves now have power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe there are some elves who might be in charge. We you know we're talking about a cabal of sorcerers that gather relics. Maybe there are elves that are actually well-placed in that society. Yeah. It, uh, because some of those folks might be in the know. Of all the races, they are the ones who would probably have the most accurate picture of what's going on as far as race goes. Just because they live long enough that their story wouldn't be diluted ten times over. Yeah. It might only be three or four generations removed. It's like, well, my grandfather had magic. Yeah. My great-grandfather had magic. I don't, but he did. And my grandfather and my father actually talked to him, and he swore that this was true. I, I know I keep trying to come back to this, but once we figure it out, it might help. It'll click. Does anyone have any thoughts specifically about the main city-state that they think would help to kind of define it here? Rulership, for example, what do we want to do with that? Um, I was thinking a warlord family, but it can be anything. What do you No, I like that model. You've got some strong overbearing family that Mm -hmm. basically has been ruling things for quite some time now, and Mm -hmm. maybe even, like, passed down along the daughters in that family line. Yeah. They they know something. But it's a patriarchal family so the men rule, but the women know what's happening and know what's coming. Mm. Ah, okay. The men fight and the women are lore keepers, basically, yeah. is kind of the model and, there. And because there's been no magic for so long, the men are just like, yes, yes, your stories, uh-huh, sure. That's interesting, because then, if this is something that carries forward to society, you have a lot of female bards and things of that nature. Well, at, at the very least such. in this cool. family. I'm not sure that it necessarily needs yeah. to play out okay. that way, you know, society-wise. But I, I think you could go either way on that. Well, the, uh, you could see where society would start to mirror its government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First, a little bit. Yeah. Well, what might be interesting then is that you might also have an interesting story to tell if this becomes kind of an, an interesting turning on its head. That when the wave comes, the women knew this was coming and they're the first ones to kind of grab <laughs> hold of some of the power. And yeah. that could really turn things on its head. And all of a sudden, yeah, it was patriarchal. It's not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no. it's now matriarchal. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. Here. The elves are going to yeah. be on the outskirts of the city-state, kind of living on the... Sort of the slums? Piece. Yeah, the slums of the city. Maybe they have to live outside the... Well, Do we want a wall, or do, wall we, yeah. or do we not want a wall? Yeah, well, we, I think we might want a wall around their actual holdings. So their yeah. city yeah. has a huge wall around it to prevent people from getting stolen. It has gates and all that kind of stuff. And that's like a marvel of engineering. They have tons of dwarves building that stuff. Right, they and, built a yeah. wall that would help them defend against a dragon. 
dragon, but nobody's seen a dragon. Yeah. Well, what might be really interesting is that one of the biggest punishments in this society is to be evicted. Yeah. Ooh. Because living outside the walls is incredibly dangerous, and that might be why elves are seen as second-class citizens, because they don't want to oh, live yeah. in the city. Okay. They're considered kind of weird outcasts just because oh, yeah. they don't want to be where it's safe. They want to live out in the wilderness, and it's right. just like, um, you're going to get taken and... Right. And they like, are. And, and <laughs> right. exile yeah. was traditionally, that was a huge punishment. Yeah. In the society, it might even be kind of a saying or euphemism or what have you, is that if you're going to be exiled, you are sent to live among the elves. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we will send you to the elves. Yes. Mother- no, not <laughs> to the elves with you. Mothers keep their children in check by threatening about sending them outside the wall. Yeah. yeah and actually, you know what? <laughs> that right there yeah. makes the potential for elves to be feared a little bit as well, mm-hmm. because if where you go when you're bad is the elves, mm-hmm. then maybe they get this reputation as cradle robbers and baby eaters and what have you, mm-hmm. which they may or may not be. Oh, well, that yeah. might be interesting. Maybe they're blaming yeah. the elves on a lot of mm-hmm. the kidnappings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's, Even though the elves have next to nothing, nothing to, do to do with it. it. Yeah, yeah. So, it's really the lich, but the, the yeah. it'll be weird when the elves come into power. All of a sudden, oh my god, the baby robbers have come! Well, you know that's, that's wow. that might be a big reveal for them is that all of a sudden it's like, yeah, no, we're not here. Hey, for listen, your babies, we've got our high magic back. So uh, <laughs> we're not, like, we're yeah, not here for your coming, babies. <laughs> we want your elves city. are coming playing their tambourines and set hippies or elves. I can't tell. Uh, so for the city state, one of the things that might be real interesting is how does their economy work if they have to stay in the walls because they're afraid of getting taken. Do they only go out and farm their fields during the day under guard? Assuming the standard kind of model, it's like keep Fortress City and it's surrounded by farms. And all Mm -hmm. of those farms basically feed the town. That would be a little bit more dangerous if you had to kind of leave all of that unprotected because at night you don't want to be outside. I'm presuming that there might not be sufficient resource to put walls around all the farms or what have you. But you probably have a leapfrogging sort of wall system where you have these little low walls around farms out there. Mm-hmm. As you try to take in more and more land, you build up walls, but you don't really have the technology to build the wall properly anymore. Well, I mean, it's like the people who know how to build the walls are closer to the middle of the city-state. You've got the dwarves that are there, but, you know, you're not going to get them to hoof it all the way out to Farmer Joe's stead. Yeah, they move yeah. slow uh, anyway. But, once, <laughs> they lo- but yeah. once they lost their magic and presumably their skill... Well, you know, they're trying stonework. to... Stonework. I think that, yes, the dwarves would have lost some uh, a good degree of that, but perhaps not as much because they are better supported by the society. Well, and some of it might uh, just be that it wasn't magic that made them good with stone. Magic allows them to, when they actually have magic, to work stone with ease and stuff like that, but a lot of that mm-hmm. kind of remains. The elves yeah. probably have some of that, too, but it involves plants and trees, and most people don't yeah, consider mm-hmm. that useful. They but all the fields then suddenly grow abundant with crops. Right. Well, what wow. the elven crops. And, and that's how the elves actually have managed to survive. They're hiding in the wilderness using their own innate skill to hide themselves and grow food in very limited spaces. That way they don't mm-hmm. have to be exposed. Yeah. yeah. The question on the table really, though, is what process have they kind of settled into at this point after the last couple hundred years protecting the farmsteads that are important to the city? Maybe part of the farmer's tithe is you're paying for actual guard protection. What kind of system would we set well, up here? What might be interesting is that the 
the farmers, they tithe a lot of food, and in return, they're given, like, a slum tenement that they get to live in in the town. Um, okay. Or it is, it's also possible that they've really encouraged kind of urban gardening, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of people growing food in the towns. This might be another place where the dwarves come in handy, or maybe gnomes or something, where yeah. there are caverns under the town, and there are vast subterranean mushroom farms, you know? <laughs> and we might get back to your Incan terrace where they plant on the sides of, you know, on terraces. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, maybe there's a good deal of urban farming. Maybe outside farming is done. And Yeah, I I like the idea of that maybe having a combination of those things. Yeah. They used to say about Greece, one of the reasons that they planted olive trees was olive trees were really hard, and that's why it's one of the staples of the Greece, is olive trees are fairly hardy. And so it's hard to burn them down, and they just grow. So maybe that's what they do in some of those rings as they grow crops that, yeah, maybe mm. somebody could pillage through it, but they're not really going to be able to do big damage to it. I was I actually just had this thought that pursuant to what Jason said about maybe there being mushroom farms and what have you, maybe some underground caverns nearby, mm-hmm. because they'd look for a good fortified place. Could this be something that's like next to or on a mountain? Mm-hmm. And maybe it was connected to where a lot of dwarves used to live. Yeah, well, it might have actually been a dwarven city. Oh, wow. And the dwarves dwindled in population over the years, and the humans eventually took it over. That's Mm -hmm. great. I love that. That makes total sense. And now it's just packed, like solid packed with humans, (laughs) Humans. livestock, plantings. Maybe you have like a ring valley, sort of a Helm's Deep-ish kind Mm -hmm. of. Oh, well, that's the solution to the problem right there. So the fortress is at the head of two arms of this mountain. And Mm -hmm. down at the bottom of it, that's where the big wall is, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that works. And they basically have the valley to farm because it's secure and safe. Yep. As a general rule, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, monsters can come through the mountains. It's not perfectly safe. It's just more safe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas the fortress city itself is kind of, that's the safest spot. No one gets attacked by monsters in there. Nothing bad ever happens, except for the standards, kind of like crime. and Stuff that happens in a city. They they still have like... No one gets eaten by a lich in the city. Yeah, they still have like holdfasts or other kind of holdup points inside the valley where your farm's being raided. You can just go there and sort of shut the gate and. (laughs) <laughs> the places you can kind of, like, just hole up for a while. That leads to a really interesting dichotomy, too, because the dwarves, who are now few in number, are living in the place that they used to own. You know, it's like, my yeah. father used to sit on the throne that is now graced by the backside of that smelly right. barbarian king. Yes. Right. <laughs> totally. It's not like they're second-class citizens, per se, but they're... <laughs> they're exiles in their own They're land. not in charge. Yeah. yeah, they're outsiders in their own home. Probably, so they're a resource. Yeah, there's probably yeah. secret stuff that the dwarves have. You know, there are these caverns underneath. They're probably handed down secrets there. Oh, that's great, because maybe the big problem with crime in town, it's all about the dwarves. They're the (laughs) ones who know where all the secret passages are, all the hidden ways, and they basically operate the Thieves Guild in town. (laughs) Oh, you know, I like that. I like that. Meanwhile, they're all like, yeah, you know, hey, uh, we're just helping with the wall here, you know, we're just happy (laughs) you guys let us stay. (laughs) Yeah, so the dwarves are the working class. Yeah. Basically. And I actually, what you were just saying there sparked this other thought for me, because we're talking about these more feral dragons earlier. There might be this side group of dwarves, maybe, that are connected with the crime family, that actually have somewhere deep in the caverns, maybe they have a dragon. Yeah. 
And they're just getting ready for it to wake up. Yeah, right now it's just a big, stupid beast, but they know it's yes. not going to be forever. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, this is our ticket to get our city back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, it's kind of like a reverse telling of The Hobbit. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so do you think maybe they worked with the dragon before? Well, and he, and he set it up? Well, that's possible. Like, I know it's I'm going to. that the dragon used to control them. They could be the dragon cult. That's really the, interesting. Maybe it's like an earth dragon or something that the dwarves yeah. would yeah. be related to. Yeah, mm-hmm. that works. Uh, sort of earth builder dragon type, and that basically some of the dwarves, not all of the dwarves, obviously, but some of the dwarves were part of this dragon cult. The dwarves that were the dragon cult ended up involved in the crime family that, that does, does that so in the city. So do you That's, think part of the crime family is trying to get enough magic things to keep the dragon alive or wake it up more so that they can use it? Possibly, but in the last iteration, so in the last wave, this cult with the backing of a dragon basically took over this dwarven society or maybe even founded it. It could go back further than that. But when the magic waned, maybe there was a rebellion and the other dwarves, they were like, yeah, no, we're not listening to this dumb beast. It's becoming stupider every day. Its orders are becoming erratic. They eventually overthrew it. The cultist who still believed in it and understood what it was hit it away. So now you've got a schism within the dwarves where you've got some that are like, yeah, no, we're the rightful rulers. We took this place over from, you know, an evil dragon and his people, and now we want it back. They're the ones who have the crime family. But the cult never really went away. It's just remained hidden. Ah, yeah. Okay, just so I make sure that I understand. The cult and the crime family are two separate things at this point, yes? Yeah, I think, I think so, so, but I, yeah. I think they might be, at least from outward appearances, one and the same. Like, the cult is yeah. within okay. the community of dwarves. So the crime family predominantly is run by regular dwarves, or a particular family of dwarves. Yeah. They have been infiltrated by this cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it might be okay. too many layers within layers at this point. Yeah, but. yeah, that's true. It's another chicken and egg thing. It's hard to tell who was exactly doing what at what time. Yeah. But that's good. No, I like that. Okay. Good, good. So then the human rulers who basically are in control of this place is this dynastic family <laughs> of... Basically, I, I'm thinking the more they're like kind of like barbarian types yeah. who are just like, yeah. you know, yes, we took this place. It is ours now. And they're not very good at ruling. They mostly put it on the local militia and are pretty just much conquerors. <laughs> I like that a lot. In order to stay king, they've had to have at least listened enough to their wives so mm-hmm. that they'll know that it's like, okay, we do have to preserve the knowledge. I know. Uh, I I know. Yeah. And, and that <laughs> might be the... Just let me know if we happen to wander into anything that's going to eat us, might, but in the meantime... The, the matriarchs, maybe they engineered that. They realized the magic was going away, and they were like, okay, we need to defend ourselves till the next time we're powerful. So, you we'll know... let the brutes do their work right, in the downtime. They're pulling the strings behind as a mm. protective. They're the ones actually trying to protect society. This is great, because just as the dwarven cult is getting ready to bring their dragon buddy to the front, this seemingly clueless group of barbarians that's been running the city is going to turn into the Medicis. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's interesting is then that because there's so many threats from without, the barbarian leaders and his council, you know, all these big buff barbarian dudes, pretty much spend most of their time ranging around the area, destroying <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah. That's pretty much their shtick, right? Outside so, the wall. Yeah. yeah gotta, they go outside gotta... the wall and keep things safe and come 
come back mm-hmm. and yeah. enjoy festivals in their honor and feasts yeah. and they come back as the conquering heroes but if you think about it in the terms of like how Caesar would go out to war and he'd be gone for 10 yeah. years yeah maybe it's not that extreme but it's like you know they range out for two three months go around and smash stuff and they overplay it too half yeah. the time they'll go out and find nothing because it's just small little bands of cannibals yeah. and looters and occasionally a monster and even those have become more and more rare the leader is wearing the pelt of a manticore that's two generations old at this point and it's all tattered and ratty tattered. but it's still the sign yeah. of his family yeah it's great because it's like most of the time the ones that are out there ranging around it's like okay are the ziggurats doing anything no okay we're good yeah. <laughs> and so that's pretty much all they're thinking about when they don't realize how much more crap is going on yeah well and that uh, might be the threat from without too yeah, the thing that they're totally. constantly keeping an eye out and it spreads yeah. insidiously like a cult because I'm wagering there are communities outside the wall they're small fortified yeah. they're pretty much run by strongmen and these pyramids start creeping ever closer a new one will appear in a small town oh nice <laughs> and the barbarians will get there and they'll be like uh crap and they'll just try and burn the whole place down <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's great we've got a lot of good details here is there anything else we want to develop about the main city before we move on to another thing I think we've got the main city as much detail as we need to for okay. a good creation I think okay. we need to start working on the the more outer rings yeah what's around John, the next biggest thing of course is the ziggurat city I think we've got some detail there and it might be sufficient for our purposes but is there anything anyone wants to detail about that specifically I like the concept <laughs> of them being like very cultish so there are these other cities where for a lot of the people living in them they have relatively ordinary lives but they're all members of this cult yeah even those who are just paying lip service to it they may not be into the whole let's sacrifice people to the mall thing it's just like well we could live here or we could live out in the wilderness where this barbarian horde might roll on us every once in a while and kill us They may view the barbarians with equal distrust, primarily just because they roam around burning stuff or destroying stuff and pillaging. And for them, it's like, well, we feed a living being to the maw at the top of the pyramid once a month, and everything's great. (laughs) There are are advantages to being in a lawful evil society, you know? Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. That's why Dr. Doom does well, because he makes the trains run on time, you know? Well, and it may actually be interesting that the liches, and I'm almost beginning to think there might be multiple or at least he might have them. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Um, the overall lich and then the subliches. Or, well, it may not even be subliches. They may just be some lesser cast of undead that he sends to set yeah. up a seed in this community. Yeah. And it may like be like a literal or, yeah. pyramid scheme in that <laughs> in that he he has his followers mm-hmm. and they feed power to him. Him, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Every and, night, a you know, little green light turns on, and yeah. So, well, you know, so liches like, run Amway. That's what you're saying. Yeah, basically, is that the lich? When, I knew it. When when you rise to a high enough level in his clergy, he makes you an, into an undead thing, and from that point forward, he feeds off you, and you then have to go set up your own pyramid <laughs> and get souls so that you can not be destroyed by his feeding. Oh, that's wow. good. And that's they good. then like would that. have a measure of power themselves. That's how the local clergy actually right. shows their miracles wow. because they actually still have a small measure of magic yeah. now it might be small things like I can make flame appear from my hands and it might vary depending on which one we're dealing with there might be the guy over there whose head is a burning skull so even in the fallow time the lich at the top of the pyramid still has considerable power yeah, I think some of them do, but the thing is, he knows it's not, unlike when it's a wave, it's not an endless wellspring. Right. So if he uses it, 
it's gone, and he has to build it up. So right. he kind of just jealously hoards it. hoards it. Yeah, right. And that's actually probably what's keeping him alive. So it's either throw my fireball or live another two months. Years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the lich essentially converts the sub rulers, uh, you know, servants who do well, high priests or what have you, into their own sort of undead like thing. And you're saying it varies, so he turns each one into a different kind of undead thing. I, then? I think there might. If we were talking about it in game mechanics, there's probably one type. It's like a some ghoul. sort of sycophant lich, but it's not a true lich. But yeah. they're not like, like mindless undead. Kind of like life force energy vampire type right. thing, oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And they might yeah. even still look mostly alive for a long time. A lich and a succubus, maybe, or something of that nature. Something akin to that, like mm-hmm. some weird sort of mummy-esque creature that it's like, yeah, the flesh is starting to get weird and leathery, but he's just old. We'll go with that. Old. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's right. Awesome. So each of these sort of offshoot villages and what have you are ruled by a, I guess, do we want to just for the time being refer to it as like a high priest? Or, yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah, I like okay. that. Yeah. And that's the one that eventually it's like the un- village gets big and important enough. The high priest becomes undead-ish and can then feed him or herself off of the sacrifices. Well, and what would okay. be interesting then is that the lich who actually has considerable magic power, right? I mean, he could actually do some crazy stuff. He just doesn't because... He doesn't want to die. Oh, yeah. And, and also, you know, he knows that there's another wave coming. Yeah. So, uh, but his idiot followers yeah. might spend their power willy-nilly. Like, yeah. not that they have a lot to spend, but they would actually and you know, show it off. And he, and he might not even discourage them from doing that because he knows that if they go ahead and burn that power, then they're not a threat to him. Yeah, exactly. He knows that he can only take a portion of the power that they consume. He can't take it all unless he yeah. actually consumes them himself. And who has yeah. time for that? I um, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is that the ones he's going to have to keep the closest eyes on are the ones who are frugal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the ones who seem to be trying to be smart about well, it. Well, yep. what might be very interesting then is that those are the ones that get recalled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he consumes Suddenly. them. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yep. you just got a message. You got to go back to the. Congratulations. You're receiving another promotion. <laughs> You're a winner. <laughs> like, 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 uh, report yeah. to the ziggurat at once. A scroll that's like, come meet the high lich. He wants to give you a prize. Yeah. <laughs> you get to join him for dinner. <laughs> that's right. No, you really are joining no, You get me to forever. join with him for dinner. Wait, what? Yeah. I read that wrong. There seems to be some dust on this scroll. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> How There's to some, some cool words missing. Boy, How to serve know. man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a cookbook. Uh, <laughs> it is. It's a cookbook. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Is there anything else we wanted to find about Ziggurat Society? Uh, it's um, it's ordered, yeah. and they believe they in have stability. You know, mm-hmm. they, so the streets yeah. are clean and yeah. Funny enough, compared to the Barbarian Society, mm-hmm. it's very well organized and regimented. Yeah. Yep. But the Barbarian Society is kind of a mess. But people still have freedom, and they're not being fed yeah. to a lich. Right. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> oh, it's a bit of a trade off yeah. there. <laughs> you can live dirty and safe, or you can live clean and fear of being fed to the lich. Yeah. yeah. Because you know if they don't manage to get a slave, because the local petty tyrants might have different offering schedules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, if they don't got any slaves to offer up, then it's a lottery system. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Which is probably rigged. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, you're a winner. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> win. No, you're a winner. Winner. Winner, winner, awesome. chicken dinner. Come on. That's right. 
You're it's more a, literal than yeah, you. Winner, think. winner, you're a chicken dinner. Yeah. <laughs> winner, winner, you're the dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think we've hit most of the major points. Are there any other details, just in general, or points of interest about this world that we want to throw in? Now, are I, I, are I, the or elves we... organized? We know they're out there in the hinterlands, and we're we're talking about them having. We've talked about some of them maybe being in charge of some of these sort of cult of relic hunters and sorcerers, but we haven't really discussed it beyond that. Did you have any thoughts? Maybe the elves have a dragon of their own. Two or two. Oh, they have a counter dragon. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, what, what might be interesting is that the elves are the ones who actually remember. So of all the races, even the lich, the lich knows, but he's insane. He knows. <laughs> he's gone, he's but gone he's senile. Evil, he's gone right? senile, it, yeah. It may not even be that he's senile. It's just that over the years, he's just waned. Maybe right, he, isn't, yeah. he isn't a full body anymore. He's just a pile of bones at this point. Okay, yeah. But the elves are the good guys that actually know what's going on, which is a very important point in the story, right? If we're dealing with it, we've got the people who know, if we look at it from that angle. We've got the wives of the barbarians who probably just have myths and legends that they don't even fully understand, Mm -hmm. but they at least believe them. So we've got them. We've got the lich who knows because he was alive in the last cycle. Well, alive with air quotes. Yeah, Um, alive-ish. But he's thoroughly evil and insane. We've got... Dragons, who will know when the next wave comes, but right now don't know. So what we need, and I think the elves fill this role well, is they are the ones who know, but no one believes. They're the Cassandra. Cassandra. You know, I'm not familiar with that term. That's the prophet, uh, the Greek? I think it's Greek. Yeah, it's the Greek. Greek. Prophet, oh, okay. Who could see oh, okay. her, but no one believed her. Is she the one that tapped on the Trojan horse? And basically was telling people, oh, yeah, you need to look inside. And they were all laughing at her. That might I, be. I think that was not her. Not 100% sure I don't remember. That. It's been a while. I should pop back to ancient Greece and check sometime. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe a few dwarves in that cult might know. But yeah, so if the elves primarily know. And they're the and ones, like guarding relics and everything. They're the yeah. ones who are like biding their time and being like, well, when the new wave comes, and even they probably don't have a 100% accurate picture, but at least they, because of their much longer lifespans, have one that is far less distorted than everyone. Else's. Mm-hmm. So they might Do we be guarding want- relics mm-hmm. that they know are going to become powerful. That if you went there and spoke to them, it would seem like you're talking to these weird people who talk about prophecies and stuff and have these weird trinkets that they really revere. And it's like, uh, that's a cup. <laughs> uh, and I don't care because it's a cup. Maybe the sorcerer elven society that uh, is perhaps small at this point, but that knows what's going on. Would they have like a central kind of stronghold thing in the woods somewhere or do they all just stay as scattered as they can? I, you I could play that either way. You could play them as very decentralized because they know that they're not trusted and that if anyone were to take any one location, they don't want to lose everything. Alternatively, they could play it the other way, which is like, well, we have to fortify one location and hold it all there. You you could also play it with a mix of the two. They might have small yeah. enclaves all over the place so that they can keep ears and eyes out everywhere. That's, uh, that's how I got- see I, Maybe there's a schism in that society, too. I think maybe there are some elves that have been mistreated for so long, and they know that this is coming, and they're preparing to go nuclear as soon as they get their power. All right. Back. Let's say that it's the ones who have the stronghold that are kind of, when the power comes back, they're going to push the button. Right. Yeah. They're going to go so, and try to take over everything. Well, they might so be maybe, trying to change yeah. it for this cycle. Yeah. In all the previous cycles it's kind of worked similarly. But this time they're like, yeah, no, we're not doing this again. We're not going back into decline again. This time, right. maybe they're trying to figure out a way to make the connection permanent. Permanent. Right. And so maybe they're all part of the same group, but it's a thing where the ones in the stronghold have turned to the point that they've got an agenda. They've yeah. <laughs> on it. Yeah. Well, no, and I think they're tired of being the Cassandra, as you said. They're tired of being the whipping boy when they know they're going to come into power. 
power. And mm-hmm. they know, now let me just, just want to avoid that next time. Let me just ask: Are the ones in the stronghold in charge of this group, or is it nominally decentralized? I think it's mostly decentralized, decentralized. but I think that there's some... they're of say equal rank, quote unquote. They just have important jobs, which is in this stronghold, whatever it is, they are holding the most important relics, perhaps the most powerful relics, for when they are needed again. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, I'm curious I, as to what their nuclear option might be. But sorry, go ahead. I don't think that they're going to let the other elves that are out in these smaller enclaves know what they're going to do. I think they're yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think the nuclear option is just them trying to make the connection permanent. They're trying to keep uh, the water at high tide. Now, maybe what they don't understand is that that can't be. That yeah. if they actually did that, yeah. magic might actually just break down and go away forever. Right. But they don't understand that. Right? Or it would just burn everything up. Yeah. Yeah. So they're getting ready to mess with the fundamental underpinning yeah. of the universal forces. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because what could go uh, wrong? Yeah, exactly. That'd be totally cool, right? Yeah, no. I mean, um, so they may be getting ready to do something that involves some sort of cross planar thing, some sort of elemental thing. What well, all depends. I mean, this comes down to one fundamental question: is where does the magic come from, and why does it wax and wane. Okay. And I don't think we, we have, have to... that answer, then we know how they're going to monkey with it, or at least we can come uh, up with it. Do we have any thoughts on that? I still <laughs> like going with the celestial bodies and the alignment of that nature. I also think that having a comet come in at the same time, and this is how the elves of the nucleus think that they're going to make it permanent, is if they can capture the comet and make it permanent in the rotation of the planet. If they can just catch it and keep it in orbit? (laughs) If they can make it a moon, basically. They're going to capture it and make it a moon so that it won't ever leave, because they see the comet coming every time. The comet comes, the planets align, the comet goes, and the magic fades. So they're like, well, if we capture the comet and make it permanent, we'll always have magic. All right. So therein is their downfall, because if they capture the comet and make it, then things really go haywire. I am now going to throw out a crazy idea, which you are welcome to shout down if you wish. What if this comet is like a celestial dragon or something like that? It can be whatever. What if it is like some sort of space being? There you go. (laughs) Well, that that might be it. It might be. I mean, it could be anything. It could be a fragment of the only deity that ever was that is true. This was the only divine deity, and it is dead and just in orbit, Mm -hmm. and it rains magic down. It could be a dragon. It could be be anything. It could be a giant (laughs) space mushroom. Ooh. No, it can't it's, be a giant. That's stupid. It can't be a giant. <laughs> it's not actually magic that it delivers. It's just that everyone's high for a few That's hundred right. years. Yeah, no one knows <laughs> the difference. Yeah. <laughs> it's all in their heads. Yeah. But, okay, so, A, do we like the comet idea, and B, do we want that to be the thing that rains magic down? Or maybe it just opens the, shall we say, okay, this is going to get very hippie, the planetary channels, Mm -hmm. so that the energy is focused in such a way throughout the universe to the point that it actually streams into this world. And this is where the elves are wrong, right? Where it doesn't provide the magic, but it's the lens. Correct. You could look at it as kind of a night of the comet thing, in that its strange radiations are what is magic. I mean, you could almost play it as, what if they think it's a comet, but it's not a comet at all. It's like a portal. And it's just this moving portal that acts like a comet. It flies around like a comet, and they occasionally draw close to it. And maybe it's a portal to the elemental planes of magic. Ooh, yeah. There you go. That's a good idea, too. Uh, Does anyone have a preference as these various as a moving portal? Mm -hmm. A roving portal? Yep. Well, uh, yeah, a white hole, a, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, and the interesting thing is in that in reality, it might actually be fixed, and it's the planet that draws close to it on occasion. Right. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It just every now and the planet draws, and it draws it into like one orbit or enough, and then it eventually it pulls off and mm-hmm. it goes. That's good. Okay, I like that. Well, like that, that might make the people who uh, the one thing you got to be careful with this is eventually somebody with a physics degree will go. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, this is uh, shut up, magic. magic. Oh yes, this is the. Uh, I, I will have to give the disclaimer at this point that this is in a a fictional universe where there are different laws of physics from the ones that are true in this one. That's the author's go-to easy button for. I right. don't feel like explaining it. It's magic. Shut up. <laughs> that, that's- and you know, I am totally fine with pressing that particular button on this occasion. You and me both. Yes. Yay! I don't have a degree in (laughs) celestial mechanics. Okay, cool. So if magic comes from that and they're planning to harness that, then that means that they're going to try to, I guess, do a massive holding spell. Well, either that or their plan is to rip it open. (laughs) Or we're going to sell this planet directly into that hole, damn it. Well, that yeah, might so be it. They might be trying to rip it, but they just have the planet go through into that magic realm. No, I got it. They're going to rip it open wide enough so that on the next pass, they're going in. They're going in, yeah. Well, yeah, that's the thing. That's is that if they more interesting from a novel standpoint, because right. if you were writing a novel about this, you would actually have them succeed. Right. Yeah. And you have between now and the end of the next cycle to figure out yeah. how to stop it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because basically it's coming in and you're going to be ripping a hole in the sky <laughs> big enough to engulf the entire world as it comes through. Yeah. So, so in 300 yeah. years, we're going in. Well, and what might <laughs> well, I don't know. No, it's about to happen. That's then the magic then might not go away. It would still yeah. wane, but it wouldn't reach the low points it ever had in the past. Yeah. Its yeah. emanations would be far higher. Oh, you know, once you're on the other side, sanity goes out the window. The whole rules of everything is just lost. Yeah, it might be different fundamental rules of reality. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Magic is not greener on the other side. Yeah, I mean, you could play it interesting, too, that, you know, it's like the creatures who are innately magical when this happens just go insane. Oh, yeah. So the elves succeed, but then they all go crazy. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because it's too much. So if I were writing a novel about this, I would have an elven protagonist who can't use magic. They just severed (laughs) it. It's just something about their bloodline. They're a freak. They're shunned by their own people. But when all the elves go crazy, they're one of the few that doesn't. Nice. Okay, that's very cool. So that's basically what they're doing. There you go. The other forces that we have at work that we've talked about, the human barbarian family is kind of, I think, is pretty well defined mm-hmm. at this point. We have these dwarves that are part of the cult of this earth dragon. Mm-hmm. Is that well enough defined, or do we want to throw more in there? Yeah, the one thing I think I've gelled on over time is this concept that I, I don't even think there should be a schism. I think the dwarves are fully in line with this dragon. It's not like your Ooh. typical green fire-breathing dragon. It's like an earth dragon, and it's like the symbol of their house and their power, and they're could even be like faded carvings throughout the city of this dragon that everybody <laughs> oh, wow. like, yeah, the dwarves love dragons. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just heraldry. It's, yeah. That's all it means. Yeah. I'm sure they don't have a gigantic earth dragon down beneath the city. Right, and, yeah, and, then, city and then as we get closer to the point that the magic returns, suddenly the earth dragon can see everyone through those carvings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of earthquakes. Like City Hall, instead of having like lions beside the doors, they've got those stone dragons. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so do we like that idea that as a people, the dwarves are basically, for the most part, all on Team Dragon? Yep. Well, a lot of them probably don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're... But, uh, of those who are aware that it's... So there's not really a schism. It's just that they're... The cult yeah, is still going to get a laugh when the dragon yeah. actually does come to, you know, and they're going to... All their other dwarf brothers are no, like, holy, we have a dragon. <laughs> we're calling them dwarves. Now, do they get taller when the magic goes away? Well, as they interbreed with humans, I would think okay, they would. So, I'm sure their, their bloodlines aren't exactly pure anymore. Probably there are maybe a few purebred dwarves still left, but not a lot. Right. Um, Probably at the center of the crime family are are some pure dwarves. Yeah, I'd say you'd have some at the center of the crime family, and you might have some in the cult, but that's probably going to be about it. Mm -hmm. And they certainly don't live as long as they used to, so so you've got that going on. Yeah, although probably still longer than humans. Yeah, I think we pretty much have the idea that the lich's slavers are pretty much just all the army of the society, so Mm -hmm. that works there. Are they all humans? Do we have orcs? Do we have evil races? Oh, that might be interesting. I don't know. I think you can play with, like, if you're going to take a bunch of the other fantasy races and be like, yes, orcs, what do they do? Well, they probably don't live in any of those societies. Right. Right. Yeah. They're probably rolling around in hordes. They're what the barbarians fight quite frequently. There right. you go. Yeah. And an occasional troll, you know. Yeah. And yeah. random monsters right. that are actually just monsters that kind of lurk in the dark spots of the world mm-hmm. that have become more and more and more rare over the years. Oh, you got stone trolls around. They're waiting on the magic to wake them back up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I think the dragon might be the same way. Like, down in its vault, uh, uh. if a human were to stumble upon it, he wouldn't even recognize it as a dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it awesome, the idea that if, say, you're in the nature cult and you go out to worship at your stone circle and one day it speaks to you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I just thought of something. What if the stone dragon, it's an earth dragon, it's a stone dragon, isn't underneath the city, it's perched on top of the keep? Ooh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's part of the mountain. And they just think it's like a giant sculpture. Uh-huh. Or no, it's a natural, it, it looks like a natural rock formation that if you looked at it in the right way, it looks like it's a dragon. Yeah, and the dwarven, the dwarven, the dwarven family knows that that's what it is. It's just settled there. Right. Oh, that's awesome. And they, that's all. They pass it off as though it's not a dragon. In plain sight. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a dragon. What? I don't see that's that strange. shape that you're talking about. Awesome. Are there any other groups that we have not talked about or that we want to develop at this point? The only other thing I can think of are the cannibals, but they're like off doing their that own might thing. I think. Just be the orcs. Yeah, we could have the orcs do that. I Although suppose. then, you know, if they're eating humans, they're not really cannibals. But you know what I mean. They're eating other sentient. Well, yeah. That's people. Right. Although I think just to balance things out, there should somewhere on the other side of the planet be a, a race of very erudite orcs that are a center of great learning and peace. <laughs> okay. <Sure>. Um, <laughs> but that's Their the claim to fame is inventing the wheel. <laughs> that's it. No one remembers anymore, but the wheel actually came from the orcs. Well, they needed it for their war machines. <laughs> yeah, it made sense. <laughs> Nice. Okay. So you've got some orcs that eat people and such, and then people that eat people and what have you, but those are all isolated groups. Okay. Does anyone want to throw in anything else before we start naming stuff? I can truly say that at the beginning of this session, I did not see us making a cannibalistic world, but it has <laughs> it has come into being, that's for sure. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, it's all about consumption. It's a very ecological model in yeah. that it's all about consuming. It very neatly fits together, actually, that way. I like that a lot. Yeah. 
So I'm going to start going down the list of stuff that I wrote down, and we'll see uh, if we have names for things. The human main city-state, the barbarian city-state that used to be a dwarven city-state, what do we want to call it? So we need something that probably started out as a dwarven name and got bastardized into a human name. I am almost thinking of something that's going to sound sort of dragon-hold-ish. So maybe something that would be dwarven-sounding. Well, interesting. So I think the dwarves would have had their own name for it, which would have been in their own tongue. And the humans would have come along and went, uh, yeah, we're not calling it that. I don't even know what that (laughs) word is. The dwarves would have had some name for it that probably literally translated into, in dwarven, seat of the dragon or something, because the dragon was sitting on top of the castle. Dragon's roost or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in dwarven, whatever that would be, Uh, right? I don't speak dwarven, so, you know. uh, No, no, I mean, I don't think we need to worry about speaking dwarven for these purposes, per se. So if you're looking at it from what the dwarves would call it. It'd probably be something like, you know, and I, like I said, this is butchered what I think dwarven language would sound like, which is vaguely like Germanic and Norwegian and Swedish. It'd be something like Erdrak or something, Ooh. where it's like Erd, E-R-D, would sound something like Earth, but not really Earth, and Drak is their word for dragon. Yeah. So they might call it something so. like Erdrak, and the humans would be like, what? That's not a word I'm using. Okay, so maybe it's like they transliterated it to say like Erdrick Hold or something. Edric, yeah. Edric? Edric. Does that sound good? Works for me. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, th- that way for the, the human be like, tongue. uh-huh, yeah, that's what it is. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Edric Hold is, I guess, what they would call the city-state, I presume, just overall. Yeah. Maybe if they're talking about it, they say, oh, over in Edric, and then if they're actually looking at the building, they're like, uh, Edric Hold, Hold, which is yeah. the central part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas the, half the dwarves would have a nasty habit of correcting them and saying, no, it's Edric. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, yeah, 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 sure it is, dwarfy. <laughs> Take your beard over there. Yeah, pat him on the head. Years, and 300 years later, they finally understand why. Oh, crap. <laughs> this is why I've been correcting you for 300 years. <laughs> the Ziggurat City-State, what do we oh. want to call it? What's interesting is that I'm sure there would be two names for this place. There would be the names that the barbarians call it, but that's not what they would call themselves. So the barbarians would call them like the soul eaters or something like that. It's like, don't go over there. That's the soul eaters. Because I'm sure they've managed to gather enough information from like people who have escaped and stuff that something really horrible is happening there. Yeah. Like it's possible even that once the lich is done consuming souls, they just take the husks of the bodies and bury Mm -hmm. them in this secret place. They might call them like the husk lands or something. Yeah, the husk lands. Oh, that's perfect. (laughs) Yes. What if they take the dead bodies? of the people who have been consumed who are all like, it looks like they've been dehydrated, basically, and puts them on poles at the borders of their land. This is our land. (laughs) Yes. Very very Vlad Tepe's kind of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. So So it's the Husk Lands. That's what they call it. Yeah, okay. I think that's not what they would call themselves. They would call themselves like the Imperium of Life or something like that. Okay. And the people would believe that. They'd be like, yes, well, he's a member of the Imperium. Yeah. Yeah. The Imperium sounds good to me, actually. Yeah, the Imperium. Uh, Would it be redundant to say the High Imperium? No, I I, I think that one of the things that I love about liches is that they're so preposterous about themselves. I mean... 
the high. That's high, the name of the leader. Is he's the high imperium? The high imperium. Yeah. Well, the high imperium ruled by the high imperator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He would probably have a title that's like fourteen extra syllables long. Yeah. That has awesome. like his lord of teeth. You know, it's like yeah. not that anyone ever sees him anymore, <laughs> right? Yes. And actually, that leads to a question about: Does he have somebody else in charge while he's a pile of bones? Yeah, he's probably got someone who he can control directly okay. through like magic jar if we're talking in game terms. He probably has someone that he can literally soul inhabit. And that person is probably, there's nothing left inside their head. And it could be like an honored role, really. It's like, if you are the main city's high priest, you get to be the host. Well, what might even be more interesting is that it's a series of like, because I'm going to wager that him inhabiting them burns out their bodies very quickly. So what if he has to have the high cultists take babies on occasion and they raise them and they do this like once a year? And they yeah. raise them up until they're like 13 or something, and that's when the lich inhabits them. Right. Oh, oh wow. That's great. And oh, he like only that. inhabits them for like a year, a and then year, they burn yep. out, and he has to have a new one. Yep. Oh, wow. The families of the kids that are picked to do that get oh, fabulous, incredibly riches well here, rewarded. Yeah. This is like a horrifying <laughs> take on the Dalai Lama. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, well, it's like that, but evil and soul-destroying. <laughs> yeah. What could be really interesting is then the entire nation is ruled by a child, and they actually assume yeah. he's the leader. They yeah. have no yeah. idea. He wouldn't mm. want them to, because right. many yeah, of like them would be He always wears the same... Uh, and he always and it looks it seems like he never ages and they only see him from a distance so they can't really make out his features per se but he's wearing the same hat and robes it must be the same kid yeah. well maybe they even the know immortal. it's not the same kid and once a year he ascends to the heavens but there, in yeah. reality he's just burnt out and yeah. he dies <laughs> I like the idea of calling that position the host essentially the host of the high imperator mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. they might see it as like a an angelic or like a divine spirit that inhabits his body yes <laughs> And the high inferior is the divine spirit within. Yeah. Yes. Good, good, excellent. (laughs) Oh, the kid has a phylactery. That's it. The symbol of office is this ornate amulet. Right. And that's the lich's Yes. Factory. Great. No, that's perfect. The phylactery passes on. Do we want to name the lich? Whatever it is, it should have Z's in it. Z's are Z's. Yeah, Z's are good. Z's are good. Z's have Z's and X's in their name. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a rule. I think that's in there. I think it is. I think it is. Hmm, something about eating souls. Souls are delicious. Soul to Zol as part of his first syllable in his name. Like Z-O-L? Yeah, yeah. Z-O-L. And then Zol, Zol yeah. Tarak or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't go too many symbols. You end up with something that's right. like Zol Tarak. Yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah, you don't want to go right. too yeah. far. But you could do something like Zolthus or Zolman. There you go. Something Zolthus. that sounds vaguely like something you'd see a commercial for with a bunch of doctors <laughs> warning. But I, I like the play on <laughs> the soul being Z. Soul, Zol. Zolthus? Do we just want to go with Zolthus? There you go. Zolthus. Yeah. Zolthus. Like, okay. Before taking Zolthus, consult a doctor. <laughs> Yes, exactly. <laughs> becoming the host of Zulfus may result in your body becoming a burnt-out husk within one year. Zulfus yes. should not be taken by those under the age of 13. Those who take Zulfus must not be at risk for diabetes, because <laughs> Zulfus likes his chocolate. The Barbarian Warlord family, what do we want to call them? They should probably have some suitably barbaric kind of sounding name, something with craggy names. heavy consonants yeah. in it. The Macedonian for Barbarian is Varvarin, which sounds like another drug. <laughs> yep. um, Visigothic names, Braulio, Chintila, Egika, Ervig. Ervig. Udila. Are we going to keep it closer to the same as the dwarf name? You know, there might be a relation there at this point. but uh, I like Erwig. That's not bad. Airwig. Airwig? 
Kind of sounds like earwig. I don't yeah. know. Uh, you got to do the can someone make fun of it test. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's an important test. Avic, Avic, Hermine, Hermine Guild. Gundamar. Gundamar. You're looking at the same list I am. Hey. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. Gundamar sounds promising. Let me see if we can... Or you can just shorten it to Gunthar, something like that. Gun, yeah. Wait a minute, there's Gun... Gundar the Barbarian? Gundar? Yeah, Gundar. Yeah, there is a... Thundar <laughs> the Barbarian. Thundar the Barbarian. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah. And there's a Star Wars feature called the Gundar. Out. You don't want to make it. Uh, yeah, yeah, no Thundar. That's not for hundreds of years. But that, oddly enough, that is when a comet passes between Earth and the Moon, I think, if I remember correctly. Really? <laughs> if I remember my Thundar lore correctly. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, if we just ripped off Thundar the Barbarian, is that what we're doing? <laughs> it's the... This is the low point Uh-oh. in my entire career. Uh, you know what? You know what? And we got it on you know audio. Happened? Yes, they're they're gonna rip the thing open, and they've miscalculated, and the moon goes away. <laughs> the moon went <laughs> into the other world. The planet's gonna continue on in this world, but the moon's gone. That would create a catastrophic <laughs> results on the planet, though. Right? right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Maybe one of the moons. Maybe they have two moons. Maybe yeah, well, that would help a little because if you lose <laughs> your only moon, it's like goodbye tides, and right, the whole right. world just lost its. <laughs> Spin and, and weather, uh, yeah. Good job, elves. Good job. <laughs> That's what I say. Maybe you lose one of the moons when it goes through the rift. The smaller one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We weren't using that one much anyway. Yeah, that was the, that was the spare moon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, elves. I like that moon. I'm gonna go cut an elf. And this kid's is why elves are bastards. Right. So maybe like Gunthador or something. Thorismund, Ginto, Hilderic, Thrasamund. We need something simple. That's the problem. Theodane, Theodric, Thunden, Bob. 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 <laughs> the noble line of Bob. Bob. I like having like a hard kind of, and I know you guys don't want to do Viking, but I really like <laughs> like Dane as the end of it. So like Gundane or... Um, oh, there you go. What about Grundane? That does or sound Grundane. suitably barbaric. Vardane. There you go. Vardane. Sure. Yeah. Vardane? Vardane. Yep, done. It sounds barbaric, but it still doesn't sound like he's just a drooling idiot. That's kind yeah. of important. Uh-huh. It's like, they're barbarians, but they're not stupid. They just do what they have to to survive. What do you want to do, a V-A-R-D-A-I-N? Sounds that good works. to me. Okay, do we want to name the mountain something? Well, it's the mountain and the valley. It's that whole valley. It's the mountain and the valley, right? So the locals probably call it the planting or the holding or something like that, some kind of generic. Yeah. Yes, that's where all the food is. It's, of- it's the sward. Well, they might call it something like the shadow. Oh, it, I like that. Because it's between the two arms of the, ah. the keep and the mountain. It's like surrounded on all sides. So it's it, Edrak's shadow. Yeah. shadow. Or, yeah. shadow, yeah. Yeah. Edrak. That could be then, well, a lot and, of the humans and, would call it the Stone Shadow Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So like what's protected? The thing in your shadow is what's protected, right? It's the thing right near you. Good. So no, I like, uh, so we, do we call that like the Stone sh- Stone Shadow Mountain, Stone Shadow Valley? Mm-hmm. Stone Shadow Caverns would probably go oh, along yeah. with that. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The crime family. <clears throat> we want to name them. Okay. Gotta have an evil tint to it. It's a, but it's a dwarven... Uh, well, it would have been the name be of the dwarven royal family. Or it could be the name of the organization now. But, well, I uh, think their organization might have a very innocuous name. Like, mm-hmm. it's called the Pick and the Grindstone. And that's what they call it, just so that if anyone overhears them, they think it sounds like a dwarven stoneworkers guild. Correct. Um, 
No, actually, I like the grindstone. That's uh, Ooh, yeah, yeah, that's even better. Yeah, they just call themselves the grindstone. And if anyone hears them, it's like, oh yeah, no, I'm just part of the grindstone. What do they do? Oh, they're primarily just the stone workers guild. But in yes. reality, it's just a front for the thieves guild. Yeah, cool, cool. Now, do we also want to name the actual family itself, or do we want to leave that to the void? Yeah, that would be the previous noble family, the ones that got kicked out when the barbarians showed up and took over. Like Iron uh, Dragon or Brown Dragon, maybe that's what they have. Maybe it's right there in their name. Or why not, like, something Shadow, because that's what the mountain range is called. Yeah, but they care about the dragon, not the best sh- about the valley. Shadow Fist? Like Fist of the Earth type something mm-hmm. thing. We could do that, or we could go with a name name. I like portmanteaus, but sometimes they can be too much. So, yes. I don't know. Especially, so if they call the fortress Erdrak, their family name probably would be a portmanteau, but it's a portmanteau in Dwarven. Yes, yes. Um, Corona. Really? K-O-R-O-N-A. Ooh, spelled with a, with a K, okay. I'm thinking so, Corona the so beer, I'm like, the uh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, not the beer, but something like Corontel. Maybe. Oh, there you go. You can do the vowel. It might be like a word that basically translates to crown brow. Yeah. You know, it's like they were the ones who wore the crown. Crown brow. So it could have been like crown bro or something like that. Maybe not bro. (laughs) What's up, bro? It's the crown, bro. (laughs) What's up, bro? (laughs) Got a crown. Do we like Corontel or do we want to turn that into something else? I'm okay with Corontel. That sounds Sounds like show and tell, but yeah, that's fine. It does a little bit, but I think it just depends on how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also how it's spelled. Yeah. Um, so I've got, I've got like K-O-R-O-N, maybe with an apostrophe T-E-L, Corontel or Corontel. Yeah, that last, it could be an O, it could be an I, it could even be an A. Hmm, Corontal. A, yeah. Corontal? A-L. Mm-hmm. Let's go with an A. Okay, Corontal. Do we want to name the Earth Dragon Cult? Well, see, here's the thing. I think that the family may actually be the cult. So it might not actually really be a... Uh, I think they used to be in league with the dragon. So I don't think there is a cult. I just think that's the crime family's ultimate goal. All right. Because otherwise it's too many layers within too many layers. Mm. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, there are these dwarves who are evil, but in, within them there's a subgroup who's even more evil. Evil. <laughs> we must drill down as far as we possibly this can. This onion is all evil. <laughs> <laughs> onion of evil. The next thing I've got on the list is the dragon. Do we want to name the dragon? Mm. What might actually be interesting is the fact that the dragon, because it uses so much magic just in its very being, that's why it turned back to stone so quickly, because clearly Mm. it wasn't still alive and flying around 100 years ago. So it might almost be interesting, as far as the naming convention goes anyway, that the dragon refines itself each time. Oh, Then it comes back, and it may still have its memories, but it's not the same as it was last time. Oh, okay. So it's like a, it's, it's sort of a regeneration of sorts. It's a new dragon. It's a new name. Yeah. Maybe it like it names itself at the beginning or it mm-hmm. finds a name at the beginning. Yeah. It figures out who it is. That's good. So the dragon doesn't have a name yet. Yeah, the dwarves call it Erdrak. It's the Earth Dragon. Okay. They don't know what it's going to quite be like, but they know that if they do the right things and offer it the right things, it will be their friend. It won't good, eat them. Good, good. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Are you guys? Yep. Good yeah, that? yeah, yeah. No, oh, yeah. that's good. That's good. All right. So the next thing I've got on the list here are the sort of lich lords, the sub-liches or what have you. As far as a title or a type or some sort, what would people refer to them as? They would be like, from- you know, once again, it's all about preposterousness with them. So they're like the enlightened lords or something like that. The hug- says yeah. one thing, but in, in reality, they're the exact opposite. The, like maybe just the lords of the Imperium? Yeah. Something like that? The life givers. The life givers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
Yeah, no, he's right. They would go for something the opposite, yeah. Something ostentatious. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like their entire PR campaign would be the opposite of what's actually happening, yeah. right? Yes. That way, anyone who would dare to suggest otherwise would be like, and most of the people would be like, no, that's totally a lie. Right. The people who go into the temple who are selected each month, they get to go to a higher plane of existence. That's what happens to them. Everyone knows that, right? So <laughs> yeah. Maybe the radiance or the... Ah, uh, yes. Like, because the there's going to be one of these guys Lords in, of Radiance. In, in, in each community. <laughs> yeah. Or Reverend. So it would probably be the Lord of that community. So something like the Radiant Lord or something like that. Yeah. You know, each yeah. community has a Radiant Lord. I like that. Right. Radiant Lord, would that work mm, for you guys? Yeah. Oh, yes. Very much so. All right. Sold. All right. Radiant Lord. Z. Lord. Z. <laughs> Lords collectively, Lord singular. Yes. Do when we they're want together, to... it's with a Z. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they throw up the gang sign. When they go to the Lich Hood. That's right. Do we have a name for the Elf Sorcerer Club? Oh. I mean, we could easily just call them the Order of X or the Order of Y or the Order of some well, other... they might refer to themselves internally as, like, the Wardens or something like that. Although yeah, that yeah. term's been used a million different places. That is true. Well, they're not exactly Sears, per se, but it's kind of like that, right? Mm -hmm. What if they keep time? They're like the timekeepers. They're the ones oh. who know when it's mm. coming. Because we've determined that they're the ones who know when it's approaching. They're very meticulous yeah. about time because that is everything to them. They live such yeah. long lives. They're yeah. all about when's the next cycle coming. Oh, it's right. this many years away or, you know, whatever. I like the time angle. Well, what if they view the time period between the waves as kind of a long season? They make it sound like they're all about the seasons and people are like, yeah, whatever, it's winter, thanks. Okay. Guys. But in reality, yeah. they're like... The summer is the season when the wave is actually happening. Then there is a fall that happens after where mm -hmm. the magic is dying away. Then there is a winter when the magic is basically gone, and that yeah, can be yeah. very, very, very long. Mm -hmm. And then there is a spring when the magic starts coming back. The orders of forever summer or something like that. Well, what it might be is that they have four orders within themselves that take turns ruling depending oh, yeah. on what time period it is. There you so go. the winter order is very conservative and very closed because they're in charge for the longest. And they're the ones who are basically in charge of keeping their people alive during the time when none of them have magic. I like that idea. Oh, that actually does orders. kind of work, I think, with the idea of there being those four orders as part of a collective thing. Yeah, and they all uh, rule, because personally, I never quite buy it when elves have a king. It's kind of like, really? Yeah. You know, they're like, eh, whatever. I always kind of see them more as a collective, and they work together as a group and that sort of thing. There's the Order of Summer, which is all about action and activity, and they have a role to play even when it's winter. And maybe when they refer to all the orders collectively, or some of the orders collectively, maybe they just call them the seasons. The seasons, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I think the people who want to keep magic around, it's somebody for, like, the forever summer. You know what? I think they have an agenda, but I don't think they even need to name themselves, per se. Yeah, that's what um, the it's, Yeah, it's what the Summer Order wants. So we're looking at naming them the seasons, then, correct? Yeah, it's not really a formal thing, but what they're referred to individually is the Winter Order, the Summer Order, the right. Spring Order, the Fall Order. Yeah, most elves mm -hmm. associate themselves with one order or another, the mostly whatever order you're currently in, but that's not always the case. And maybe if there is like an official quote-unquote title, which by now I don't know that there would be, but it would be like the seasons of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or the turning. The turning of the seasons or the... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like the seasons of time. That's well, fine. and it's another one of those things, too, where it might be... That's what it Probably is. Probably several names. It has a different yeah. elven name that most, oh, yeah. most yeah. outsiders would know it as, and they'd be like, okay, well, yeah, whatever, that's your name, you know. 
Right. Okay. Yeah, so maybe it's like the seasons of time, and then you have the four orders within the seasons that are each, you know. Yeah, and most okay. outsiders don't understand it one whit and just assume they're actually talking about the weather. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is perfect for how that could work. Well, yeah, because okay. you're talking to an elf, and they're like, yes, well, I was born in the winter. And they're like, two winters ago uh, okay. or three winters ago? They're like, no, one <laughs> this winter. What are you talking about? <laughs> nice. Okay, so the last thing I have on this immediate list for naming is the comet slash portal. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do we think they call that? The humans might just call it the comet. Yeah. Well, whatever its name is, it's probably also the name of the entire Yeah, that's setting. our setting name. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah That was going to be next anyway, so that'll work. Yeah, odds are this is the same question. I mean, if you're going to call it anything. Yeah. yeah. But we know should, it's not a it be comet. Some... We know it's a it's portal. A, it's a portal. But, yeah, so no one, could be this but no one on the world would know that, right? Correct. Yeah, for maybe a few of the elves. So yeah, so maybe some of those elves would call it like the something gate, the summer gate. That's probably what they would call it. Yeah, but the, yeah. the humans and what almost everyone else would call it because they don't really understand the nature of it would be something else. To them, it looks like a comet. Assuming that those humans who pay attention to the sky know the word comet, yeah, then maybe they just would call it either a person's comet or comet of something or. Well, they might also call it like an eye. They might. Lot, yeah. Things like that often are given lots of different names. Yeah, they, or, well, they name it after like a, a, a deity or like something. A, like a teardrop. Yeah. Someone's or a tear. I, a a tear. Yeah, anything the, uh, kind of bright and generally thought so, with wisdom or intelligence or. So, like the tear of the sky, which is also strangely enough, if you read it, is also the tear in the sky, but that's yep. something else. Like well, so, what, the uh, what could be really interesting is that if this portal, if that's what it is, if it's basically just kind of a crack, a rip in the fabric of reality to the world of magic. Uh-huh. Well, it's possible that it once, whenever it was created forever, billions of years ago, or maybe even not, right? It might've just been this stable portal that went wrong mm-hmm. and someone actually created this magic gateway and it shattered and broke. So maybe every comet is actually just a fragment of this thing. And there's one really big Ooh. one, but occasionally like smaller little ones will pass through and pass by for short periods of time, giving people magic and it keeps the mm-hmm. world interesting and spicy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, but that's, yeah. That's just an adjunct thought. Oh no, that's good. I like that. I'm trying to avoid. You see, it's the thing. Either they would name it after a particular, say, a particular deity or person's tears, or it could be like the sun's tears, or even the moon's tear for that part. Well, it's something that's going to be mostly visible at night. Comets, when they're close, you can't really see them very well during mm-hmm. the day. Luna's tear, or like tears of the veil, if they talk about multiple comets, or night's tear. Night's tier. Well, night's tier could work. So let's see. Elistier. E l y s t e a r. Elistier. Well, if they played with that, it would probably be that there's some myth. It's the tier of the gods. Yeah. Yeah. What you're seeing are the tears of the gods. The legend has it that when they rain down from the sky, everyone will feel the blessing and gain magic, you know, and stuff like that. And most people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, buddy. Let's play with a little bit of world creation myth, at least from this angle. All right, so just playing off the word illus. What if the person who created the portal, however many cycles ago, was a wizard, spellcaster, you know, whatever, some sort of mm-hmm. magic person named Illis, and she was the one who created this rip. 
and she wanted to make it permanent, make it stable, and it failed. And she was destroyed, and through the years, this thing has just been called Illus's Tear. In reality, it was Illus's Tear, but most people corrupted and bastardized ah. it, and it became yeah. Illus's Tear. Tear, yep. And now, over the years, over the centuries, it's devolved into this <clears throat> myth about this deity who became mortal and cried and wept through the sky, or something along those lines, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. they just assume that when those come, that's her tears floating through the stars again. Correct. That sounds good to me. Would that be the name of our setting then, too? Yeah, Ilis probably. Illis's tear. Or mm-hmm. I, I guess so. So, I so are we? The S apostrophe. But yeah, <laughs> there, there is there is that. There, that, there, that, that so we could change. Yeah. So, for example, let's say instead of Illis, maybe it's like I have behind the name open. Why don't I just use it? There's an idea. Let's see. If you've never seen she, Behind the Name, it's a very good resource for such things. That is handy. There That's is interesting. Tosia. So mm-hmm. a rare usage of English. I looked up sky mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in meanings on Behind the Name. Thanks for the link. And Azure came up. A-Z-U-R-E. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the Azure tier. Mm-hmm. And it's blue? And it's blue. It is yeah. blue. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. I think I, I like you know Azure's, what Azure's here, here's my thought here's my thought mm-hmm. just my personal opinion is that the comet should be referred to by the populace as the Azure tier mm-hmm. or an Azure tier because you see like we were talking about the bits shoot off from it you see them every now and then mm-hmm. yeah and so I think maybe the setting should be called Azure Tears. Okay. Sounds good to me. Yeah, because it refers to the comets themselves kind of spraying across. And, uh, and if sometimes the sky is magic. called the Azure as well, mm-hmm. then maybe it can also be read in two different ways. Exactly. Um, it's Azure Tears and Azure Tears. Yeah. Yeah. No, that yeah. makes sense. Very Do we like so. that? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's great. Very much so. So this setting, ladies and gentlemen, of you who may be listening, I give you the setting Azure Tears. Azure Tears. Sounds great. And you may, of course, you who are listening at home, may use this world in your games or your writing or whatever you like. All you have to do is just credit the podcast, and we're good to go. Thank you very much, Jason. Fantastic, very much appreciate guys. it. Thank you very much. That was awesome. Thank you. a lot of fun. And <laughs> if folks want to try to find some of your stuff online, where should they go? The primary place where they will find all of my stuff is at paizo.com. That's my typical home while I'm at work. They can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Jason Bullman, B-U-L-M-A-H-N. Or they can search me on there by typing Jason Bullman, comma, game designer. If you don't add the comma, game designer, you get my personal page, which is primarily where I post about food. And <laughs> last but not least, they can also find me at my personal company page for Minotaur Games, which is www.minotaurrpg.com. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming out. Guys, we did it again. Yay! (laughs) Another one under the hat. All right, folks, take care, and uh, I guess we'll see you suddenly. (laughs) Fantastic. See you guys soon. I shall dive into the Azure. And we're out. Yay! All right. Thank you for listening to Crucible of Realms. Do you have comments or a question? Have you used one of our settings? Tell us about it. You can contact us at podcast at crucibleofrealms.com or leave a review for us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. 
Or if you'd like to contact one of the hosts individually, you can find our emails on the website at crucibleofrealms.com. The Crucible of Realms podcast and all settings created on it are released under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 unported license. All music was composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. We're on a little hiatus right now, but we've been playing Pathfinder for quite a while in the in my local group. Good deal. One of the guys who was a former guest on this show, Reese, had uh, made this world that we're playing in, and the campaign has been very long, and it's very good. It's also just getting very, very detailed. He plans kind of on that insane level that you're not supposed to. Um, <laughs> but uh, That's kind of the danger uh, of every game master. It's like, <laughs> oh, I've written way too much. My plot arc is way too big, and this right. is going yeah. to take seven years to get done with. Uh, No one's ever going to get at these little secrets that I have built in my head, either. Yeah, Yeah. it all comes down to the fact that the Viscount had seven toes. It's it's (laughs) the very last session you take off his boot, and it's like, it all makes sense now. I laugh, but I totally do that. I'm sort of afraid that that's George R. R. Martin's kind of... Yeah, that is going to be what that turns out to be. His grand theme. It's like... The final song of Ice and Fire novel will be called The Seventh Toe. Yeah, or something. It's just like, yeah, it's exactly like that. He's got so many threads. I don't know how he ever... Maybe he never intends to finish it all. I don't know. I just know that ever since I, uh, in my relative youth, well, my 20s, (laughs) when I ran Amber Diceless, ever since then, I have not been able to write a straight plot line to save my life. It's always been at angles. Uh, (laughs) Amber... Uh, do that to you. It does, I swear. <laughs>